You're listening to the B-Side Podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in the studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. With a soft yet scintillating voice that's accompanied by some stellar cello playing, Gabriel Royal is able to conjure up a downright astounding amount of romanticism with his timeless tunes. And he's about to busk for us tonight, just as he's done on many a New York City subway platform on this subterranean episode of B-Side. Are you ready for this underground ride? I'm your host, the one and only Johnny Polygon. And I'm going to need you to keep it locked on B-Side. Or you're going to be dead meat. Let's do this. (laughs) Transparency, I do know Gabriel from... He's lying. From, <laughs> from Oklahoma. Nice. Um, music brought us together in high school. Uh, we both ended up in New York as adults. So uh, what inspired you to move from Oklahoma to New York? The two uh, places are... Well, you've been to Oklahoma, but if the rest of you haven't, <laughs> leave. <laughs> no, no, I, I love Oklahoma. I, I actually, I got a lot of great friends there. Uh, but music was a lot more in the mix out here. If you live in Oklahoma and you're playing on a weekly basis, you're playing towards like to the same 30 or 40 people, 10 people, 15 people, maybe 12 people. It's a lot more exciting out here. I got family out here. Like my brother's somewhere. He's somewhere. <laughs> he's somewhere here in New York. Um, so I have family out here. I had a lot of friends. Um, and I remember making an album with you actually in Green Lantern. Remember that dude? Yeah. Remember that dude? I do. I flew out here like five times in one year, and they were like, hey, you know we could pay you if we weren't paying for your ticket, so why don't you move here? So I was here like six months later. Why why cello? Because my brother played violin. My brother... uh, Older brother? Yeah, my older brother played violin, and I wanted to harmonize with him. so at the ripe young age of 12, I was like, let me choose something so that we're not in competition. Uh. And so I wanted, to, I wanted to actually play songs with him. So, okay, so you chose it yourself. So I chose the sexier, um, 
more well-rounded, right? A lot more versatility yeah. instrument, easier to carry. Yeah, right. You know, than he than he did. So yeah. So that's why. Yeah, and you know, it's it's pretty. What got you started uh, writing original music for the cello? Uh, for the cello? Yeah. Because I, I wrote music. I mean, since I was like three years old, singing to the trees in Muskogee, Oklahoma. That's a real story. I wrote my first song. I was like, la la la. La la la. <laughs> and then a car drove by, and I remember being old enough to be embarrassed that I was in my underwear, so I ran back inside. Is this too much? Too much? <laughs> this is a comfort tree. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sharing. Yes, I'm trust sharing. bubble. Trust We're bubble. In. Yes. Um, so that was the first song I ever wrote. But writing for cello, I didn't write my first song until I moved here to New York and I was busking in the subway. Mm. And uh, I was playing Bach cello suites down there. And if anybody plays music, you know how stressful it is if you learn in a classical or a jazz. Well, like, there's a way to do it. There's a certain, like, I was learning Bach, I was learning Beethoven, I was learning Mozart, and it's like, so anytime I played cello for, like, if a rock band asked me to do something or a hip-hop act asked me to do something, I'd get extremely nervous. And so playing in the subway, I was like, I need to, like, breathe through this guy. Like, this is this is me. Like, mm -hmm. I, 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 was, I was worried about my bow arm. I was worried about bow speed, bow pressure, and all this just different stuff so I was like let me write a piece that's just my own nice. to where nobody can tell me whether I'm doing it right or wrong it's just to get comfortable with my bow arm and like no I can never get enough no 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 baby you can say it's right when we both Maybe you can stay the night Cause I don't wanna be alone You say we're for always But that's the day that never comes That one, that, that's my single that's out right now. If anybody wants to look it up on YouTube, it's called Say It's Right. My name is Gabriel Royal. You have a music video to it, right? Spotify. You know, okay. I've never been able to say that before. Give it up for my, my manager out here in the crowd right now. This dude, this is the dude. Can I just tell a quick story real quick? Uh, this dude found me in the subway like, hey man, did you write that song? Yeah. And he was like, yo, uh, you got any more? And I was like, yeah, buddy, I got like a hundred of them. Blah, 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 blah. Are you tipping? Yeah, so, <laughs> so like a month later after he was like trying to uh, get me to actually take him serious, I give him another like lie. I was like, man, I got meetings tonight after we had set up a meeting. I was like, I've got other meetings. Meanwhile, I was at home like playing video games, just like staring out the window. Um, and I, I ran into him at a bar with my girlfriend at the time, and he looks over at me from the bar, he's like, this is what you're doing? <laughs> like, really? 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 So you don't have a meeting. So next day, we went hang out, and he was like, I've got a song that I've, I've written for you. And I was like, oh man, this guy's just trying to get on the album. Oh man, he's just let me be, let me live. But the song that he wrote for me was beautiful. Mm. Next day I went over, so I was like, okay, you have my attention. Now, like a year and a half later, two years, got an album out, I've been to Brazil. Um, going to Amsterdam, Rotterdam, possibly Italy in November. So 
my dude Beto. Give it up for my dude Beto. Like, I'm not responsible enough to like make this happen. Yes. So I, I needed someone to cradle me up, carry me to across the finish line. Yes. Not that we done yet, but it's a very flattering yeah. story for Beto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. But speaking of Brazil, uh, what was it like bringing your music to a different country? It was the first time I had been off the North American continent, and I was real nervous. Because I just I went down there with a cello, and like, I don't know, I had a, a, a certain stereotype of Brazilian culture. I just thought they liked, you know, to dance and like, get down, and, and here I come with a cello and a soft voice. So I was intimidated, and I kept asking Beto, I was like, yo man, like, are you sure this is cool? Because we were supposed to have a full band, then the band fell through. Maybe I should just go home. Like, maybe you should like put me, put me on plane first thing in the morning. Like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, no, I'm gonna just be cool. Just yeah. be cool, they're gonna love it. And so like, it was like 900 people in the crowd, and you could hear a pin drop. Wow. Like everybody, and people actually were singing my lyrics. That's never happened to me before. Wow. Like they had listened to my album before I got there and people were like, play past the flowers. <laughs> and I was like, you know past the flowers? <laughs> A lot of things make me cry. I don't know if you guys got that general theme. Just watching school. Crying and singing at the same time is difficult. That's what I do on the cello. That's, my, that's my genre. Beautiful. You ever heard like that, that cry genre? <laughs> that dry cry. That dry cry. This is actually one that I, uh, I auditioned uh, for the Tiny Desk competition. Okay, Tiny, like tiny Desk. Minuscule. Yeah, Tiny Desk. Making me wait again. Yeah, she's making me wait again. Girl is making me wait again. So now I'm making me wait again. Making me wait again. Nice, nice. <laughs> Much like you know the hook. Had Mysterious. Said, you know, <laughs> I like it. Very cryptic. Very cryptic. So I leave a lot of things. Definitely. You're black. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yo. That's crazy. Are there a lot of African American string players? How do you feel about uh, the diversity in the string community? Well, it's well, I mean, it's five of us worldwide. <laughs> So, and I know I know the other four. Right, group chat. One yeah. one name is Cremaine. <laughs> no, don't laugh. His name is Cremaine Booker, and he's amazing. No. He's a real. This is a real person. Okay. Shout out to Cremaine. I, you know, I like being unique. Do yeah. I want more diversity? Sure, but I like being one of five people. It's more than five. That was that was just a, just a joke number. Um, but uh, I mean, Six. I've never, I've never found like I feel like musicians are kind of open-minded, liberal people. Yeah. So I, I've never like run into black cello <laughs> problems. Like <laughs> you're not gonna be in our orchestra. You're too black. Like no, it's, like they're they're Hashtag. like all my all my professors have been very like open, amazing yeah. people who actually put me on this path. Like shout out to Mr. Kurt from Booker T in Oklahoma. Yeah. He's one of the people that made me take music serious. Well, wow. you know, I'm talking about like a five foot three German dude. 
Okay. You know, so he had all the chance to be unwelcoming. Supportive. Un- un- non-supportive. Un- you know what I'm saying. He yeah. could have not supported me. Yes. But he did. And it, I mean, it got me into, I got a scholarship. That's another thing. I got a scholarship from all white people. Nice. At, at the Those University are the people of, who get scholarships, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the University of Tulsa, it was a private school. So I'm saying in, the, in that world, I haven't faced any. It's, it's just been based about skill. So yeah. If you can play the piece, if you got enough of, I mean, the cellos are expensive. Maybe that's a slight class issue, you know, like you got to invest to get a cello. Yeah. But nowadays, eBay exists and like Craigslist. So you got this cello right here. I don't even want to tell you how expensive it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was cheap. You're a teacher too, as well. In I'm the, a teacher. Yeah. In your daylight time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that a question? Yeah. What do you teach? I'm a teacher. Yeah. What do you teach? Music. <laughs> I teach music. No, I teach one word <laughs> answer. That's the goal for these interviews. I teach music. I teach. Um, I teach at a couple of schools. I teach in the Bronx right now, and that's okay. uh, the the current class I'm teaching is a hip hop recording studio class. So like kids are writing their own rhymes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like friends can never depend. Right now it's hard to defend. <laughs> like everybody's on this trap rhythm too. Yeah. So uh, that's a lot of fun. But I usually teach a, a a pop choir class. So I have a lot of freedom to tour, travel, and still keep a you know solid yeah check. Do you have any words of advice for young kids thinking of picking up an instrument? Do it now. Immediately, yeah. the sooner the sooner you pick it up. Like I'd be if I had started before sixth grade, I'd probably. Hmm, this is the loaded answer. <laughs> okay. Because if I was more technically proficient at the cello, I would probably be in an orchestra. But that's less creative work, I would say. Like the fact that I have an album out that has like my own tunes on it. That's yeah. That's not so normal for classical musicians, and I'm not taking anything away from the classical world, because it takes a lot of technique, takes a lot of training, like hard-fought dedication. But one of the things, they don't really practice creativity. And that's one of the things that I've gotten because I I came up in the pop music world um, and the classical world. So I was listening to to Biggie and Tupac and Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Burt Bacharach. So I really, I had like, my, my father was a musician and he had a very like vast CD tape collection. Yeah. At the, when, back when I was a boy, you know, we used to listen to cassette tapes. Cassette tapes, um, So his library gave me like, you know, I was listening to Black Sabbath, to like Earth, Wind and Fire, to Led Zeppelin. Richie, Your dad listened to Richie, Black Sabbath? My brother brought okay. Black Sabbath into the house, along with Lenny Kravitz. Like my brother was like a huge rocker. Cool. Um, so, uh, what were we talking about? The next song. Awesomely played. <laughs> well played, Johnny. What's well the next played. song called? Uh, this next one's called "When You Came Around." Cause it happened easily. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we watched the sun come up. And we watched the moon, it fell down oh, oh, oh. And I watched my love erupt When you, when you came around And it hardly matters to me Cause I'm right here at home Tell me that we're better Better off being alone 
That was when you came, which one was that? When you came around. When you came around. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. It's about waking up. Yeah. After doing it. <laughs> oh. Oh, nice. hey, you know. Beautiful, beautiful. I had my own meaning to it. Oh, uh, well, that works too. I'm gonna ask you some personal questions now if you're ready. Oh, man. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna get to know you a little bit. You're stranded on Karaoke Island. Okay, all right, okay. all right. You have three songs mm, ooh, ooh. to carry with you. To three? The, three, to your end of days. Because I got the first one. I don't know about the next two. What, give me the first one. My mind's telling me no. <laughs> but my body, my body telling me yes. R. Kelly? R R oh, R. Kelly. Okay. R. Kelly. Gotcha. Uh, bump and Grind. R. Kelly, Bump and Grind, if you are unfamiliar with the song. Gotcha. It's a masterpiece. Yes. Number two. Now, if I got to go number two, okay. I don't have to go number two, but y'all know what I'm saying. Um, you set that up yourself. I'm going to go Whitney Houston. I have nothing, nothing, nothing if I don't have you. <laughs> Do you know the names of any of these songs? Or you I have, that's, it's called I Have Nothing. Oh, okay. Whitney gotcha. Houston. Come gotcha. on, it's in the title, okay, man. Right, Come right, on. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and third one? Oh, oh! Now that's a problem. I mean, I'll tell you the the one I go to most, like the first one that pump popped in my head, mm -hmm. Weezer. Um, Say it answer. ain't so. Whoa, whoa. Truth of my okay. love is a heartbreaker. <laughs> Great. You, you asked me about karaoke. I get deep. <laughs> you, you, if anybody, can I tell you a quick story about karaoke? Why ask? So I played South by Southwest this uh, March. Another amazing thing my manager, Beto, did yet again. And so the night before, he was like, hey, bro, take it easy. He's like, don't go out. He's like, you're going to have a good night. Okay, we're going to wake up early. We're going to do some push-ups, sit-ups. We're going to go jogging. He didn't say that, but we never do that. But he was like, just be, be easy. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, great. You know, I'm not going to do any crazy things. not going to go to any wild parties. So my friends were like, yo, let's just go do some karaoke. I was like, perfect, a family activity, you know, have some drinks. I scream sang for three hours straight. And I literally, that night I started out with, I have nothing from Whitney yes. Houston. I was like, I have nothing! <laughs> so I woke up the next day with absolutely no voice. Wow. Like I, and when I wake up after like partying and I know I have a show, the first thing I do is like, I go, ooh, ooh. If I can hit those notes, I know I'm. I know I'm like. I'm like okay. But I woke up and I was like, Ooh. <laughs> he called me. I didn't pick up. I was like, I can't. I cannot like talk to him about it. My voice didn't come back to 30 minutes before I got on stage, and that was 11:30 p.m. So like I avoided this dude. So to all the, show? All, I killed. Crushed it. Crushed it. Crushed mur it. Murder. <laughs> like it was Murdered. great. It was a great show, but I was I was sweating bullets because when he got there, he was like, "How you doing, brother? It's time for the show." Oh, and I was like, "Man, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing good." But a mixture of black tea, whiskey, and a 65 year old grandmother. 
rubbing me on the back. Like, it's gonna be okay, baby. Where'd she come from? <laughs> she came, she was back, she was like in the back room, like just making sure everybody was good. And she looked, she looked, she just looked at me like one look, she was like, He needs some back. He, 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 he needs help. This yeah. dude, this dude is not okay. So yeah. she was like, she was like, okay, so where are you coming from? She was like, I'm gonna get you some tea. I had the whiskey, she got me the tea. <laughs> Karaoke, don't do it before an important gig. Uh, that's Moral. a warning, <laughs> warning to all the Moral musicians story. out there. Like karaoke is a variable that you do not need in your world. This guy loves karaoke. I do. I do. Another thing you're really passionate about is food. I've known this guy for a long time. He kind of, his memories are kind of in the form of meals and food. Um, you just gonna put my business all over? <laughs> like this, Johnny? I want them you to know you how. I know you. That's all. That's all. Do you have a? Do you have a favorite? Let's let's wrap it in the music. Okay. Sorry. Do you have a favorite meal that was accompanied with a tour or a show and that you could tie in together? When we went on tour together in 2013, okay. My most memorable meal from that tour, you say it at the same time. Three, two, one. Chicken wings. Okay. Okay. No. We had, we had some, <laughs> We had some jerk chicken wings. Oh, that's right. Behind in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. you remember? You was there. Shelly was there. Mm. And like, like we stayed there for like three days because we had the RV. Like, I don't know if I've ever eaten vitamin chicken wing three days consecutively. Where it's like, you know what? In breakfast, I'm probably gonna eat these leftover cold chicken wings, and then like dinner, I'm probably gonna get some some hot warm chicken wings and then you know I'm probably gonna set those out let those just marinate till morning for breakfast I I ate like about 50 chicken wings I, yeah this is not an exaggeration because they had 20 remember they had the, the box of 20 for like yes, ten dollars we we toured the whole country and they started calling me steak money because I had had a little savings I don't have steak money but on this tour like everywhere we went like if it was like a $15 steak I was like I got this Give me your best ribeye. Bone out. $15 steak. That's a cheap steak. It was in Kansas City. I oh, remember right. exactly. <laughs> I remember exactly where it was. I do remember things in food. Like, I don't remember who played the last Super Bowl, but yeah. I remember that I made mac and cheese and wings. Yeah. Music, food. I, well, I, I'm trying to do this, like, the, the skinny dude's food critic website. Because okay. I eat a lot. I eat a lot, but, you know, I just, yeah. I, I'm a snacker. Get into snacking. Guys, get into snacking. Next song. Hey! Hey, all right. <laughs> what a segue. I'm working on my transitions, all right? with a singer, catch you next in New York. We want to see you perform live. Uh, <laughs> is there 
something happening soon? Or? I'm playing August 5th at the Blue Note. So if anybody wants to see me in a fancier situation, I might have a tie on. Ooh. Um, what? I might have showered. But yeah, that's a, a really, uh, really big good for me. Where can people keep up with you on the internet? On the interwebs, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and um, Spotify. If you want to listen to the album, that's like the major place to go. So, what was yeah. it like uh, creating your, your album? This is your first album, right? You guys have my picture up. I drew that picture. My album covers, that's, that's, I drew that. Oh, okay. Was there anyone that just <laughs> encouraged you, say, I don't know, since the 90s or something to create an album? Hmm. Close friend or anything I've like had that? friends that in, in influenced me to make albums. I can't think of any of them at in present. In particular? Oh. Why, why, why are you asking, Johnny? I'm, I'm just looking at the notes. No, then... guys, Johnny bothered me for years. Yeah. This guy right here, aside from Beto, he was long before you, like, man, why don't you have any albums? Because this dude has, like, a million albums out. And they're it's not all, about me. They're all amazing. No. <laughs> true, Now, let's true. just, let's just give, give your host a little, <laughs> give your host a little credit. He's got, like, a lot of amazing stuff, Johnny Polygon online. And this is, we didn't even plan this. We hate giving each other compliments. So the fact, <laughs> the fact that he's interviewing me right now, I feel very awkward. It's pretty strange. I feel this is very, this is very strange. But no, really, he, he encouraged me for years. Thanks Was for, it as painful? Thanks for, thanks for shaming me into making an album. Sometimes you gotta do it as a bro. You, know what I mean? you gotta shame your homies into being great. Yeah, was it, was it an interesting process taking because it's mostly songs that you've been playing in the subways, correct? On your on your. I record. wrote okay, so "Pass the Flowers" the first tune that you guys heard. I, I actually I had never I had never sang and played cello at the same time, and so like one day I was just like I was just like plucking around and thing. and I was like, "Ooh, that's pretty." I was like, "I wonder if I can sing to that." So I was like, "Would it be?" So I, I didn't even have the lyrics to it. It was I, I write melodically as opposed to lyrical based. So I'll come up with a melody and then I'll add words to that. I the, the whole album it was pretty much written in the subway because I was I was just down there practicing and playing every day and I had time to like just make stuff up and and yeah. and come up with you know including the next song? Including okay, so this next song, the story behind this. Um, it's called On Again, Off Again, Friend. And uh, this was the song that I was like, I gotta just like stop thinking about where, where my shoulders should be and how long my bow and my bow pressure, bow speed. I was like, let me just get that out of my mind and just like jam out on something. So I came up with this, this theme that was like. That was it. That was the first thing I did. And like I would just like jam that for hours and then I added a little bit more to it. A little bit more, a little bit more. Next thing you know, it was a song. And it literally, it changed my, my playing technique. If I got nervous, like you could hear it in my, like in my bow arm. Ooh. And I'm like, I don't even want to do that right now because it'll give me muscle memory and I was getting nervous. But so I did a part, then added a part. And next thing you know, it was a full song. And I would use that to warm up with any gig and it would relax me. Beautiful. Let's hear it. Yes, we been caught up by such trivial things tell me you love me so that I can pretend she's my on again off again friend yes we had a love unlike any other 
She's my own again, off again, friend. Yes, we had a love that we've yet to discover. That's my own again, off again, friend. So I listen closely to all of the lies. If she really needs me, then why won't she try? Say that you want me so that I can pretend in my own again. Favorite thing about playing in the subway? Ooh, the smell. Least favorite thing? Ooh, the people. Would you play for Trump? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah, I'd play for Trump. What of it? Come at me, bro. Come at me. We were well, doing so well. I mean, if, look, look, look. I, do I think he's a despicable person? Yes, okay? Do I think a lot of people are despicable? that I've performed for. I don't know. <laughs> He's just more out there than most of the people. I mean, I played at Oklahoma weddings, bro. Like, You love weddings. Love weddings. Book love this guy for your wedding. He's great getting married, holler at your boy, you know, because I say, I will swoon the both of you. You don't do background price. checks or anything. You'll yeah. play for Trump. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I mean, like, look, I, I, I find that that's a hard thing. Like, there's maybe my soft, melodious tones might Soften his hard, raisinish, calcified heart. So I, I wouldn't, I would never not play for anybody unless. Well, that's that's. Oh man, this is deep. I mean, we got how much time do we have? Because I could. We're actually out of time. Really? <laughs> really? Well, now we see what singing and playing music for your entire life affords you, and that's an undeniable amount of talent. I hope you enjoyed the smooth croons of Gabriel Royal, but as a result, please don't get all overly emo out here in these streets, and keep your composure, people. And if you want to keep hearing more B-Side, that is, check out our YouTube channel, hashtag B-SideBK, and our podcast on soundcloud.com slash B-Side Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Polygon, and this has been a decent pleasure. <laughs> The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Cole, Ro Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. Told me be 